Luke chapter 4. Very well-known story. And uh, from the life of Jesus, the temptation of Jesus, when the devil takes him into the, uh, into the desert. Actually, I, I've already got it wrong. The Spirit of God takes him into the desert, which is interesting theology there as well. But the Spirit of God leads Jesus into having a confrontation with the devil. And I remember in my first days reading this, I used to, I used to have a Good News Bible, which was terrific. Uh, first Bible I had, and it used to have pictures in it. And someone drew the devil talking to Jesus. And now, now I've been a Christian 20 years. Now I understand probably the devil was quite invisible and couldn't be seen. And these were just things going through the, the Lord's mind. But it's not clear. But it says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit uh, in the desert, where for 40 days... He was tempted by the devil. He ate nothing during those days. And at the end of them, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to become bread. Uh, Jesus answered, It is written, Man does not live on bread alone. Uh, then the devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant uh, all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I'll give you all their authority and splendor, for it has been given to me. And I can give it to anyone I want to. So if you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it's written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. And the devil led him to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the Son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully, and they'll lift you up in their hands, so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Quoting from Psalm 91. And Jesus answered, it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Quoting from Deuteronomy 6. When the devil had finished all this tempting, he left him until an opportune time. I want to talk this morning, just for a few minutes, on the topic of temptation. You may be tempted not to listen to me. Resist that. I want to talk about temptation. Everyone is tempted. Oscar Wilde, of course, made the famous quote, I can resist everything except what? Temptation, yes. And uh, I don't think he resisted all that much, to be honest. We're all facing temptation. And uh, just because time is short, let me just fire into this and say, let's see what this passage might teach us about the whole area of being, of being tempted. The first thing I think we can learn from the passage about the whole principle of being tempted. Being tempted to sin is what we mean when we say being tempted. Jesus was not tempted to eat a cake. He's tempted to sin. And uh, the first thing we can learn is that sometimes temptation can be initiated by spiritual forces. In other words, there is, there is, 
a devil. Can you say amen? There is a devil. He really exists. And I know that theologically you would say, well, I know that. But we, sometimes we need to know that in actuality. That there is a devil. And the devil's task in the world today, one of his many tasks, but his primary task in regard to your life is to tempt you to sin. Now, uh, forgive me if I offend anyone today, but I've heard many people talk nonsense about the devil, how the devil crashed their car or the devil pushed them down the stairs. No, no, no. You crashed your car because you needed another lesson. Or the other guy did. Right? You crashed your car because the England flag waved in the front and you couldn't see. You fell down the stairs because it was an accident. Because the carpet was frayed or, or because you, you, you can't carry six plates going down the stairs. That's why you fell down the stairs. There are all sorts of things that the devil can do. Don't you think if the devil could crash your car, he would crash all our cars as we go home? That, that is, just doesn't make any sense. What the devil does do, what the devil does do, is he has a voice. The devil reminds me of Goliath, who in the story of David and Goliath, is never, he's never actually, Goliath is never actually seen to fight. He just shouts. You know, who come against me? Ra, ra, ra. He's just, you know, there's no action. It's just noise. He's a voice. The devil is a voice. But very often, his action is, is very much stunted. It's really all down to who he can persuade to do his bidding. And here we have the same thing. The devil could not push Jesus off the top of that building. Uh, and it wasn't because he was all prayed up either. He, the devil just cannot do that. But what the devil could do is speak to the Lord. Speak to the Lord Jesus. And it's the same with you. He can speak to you. His main job is to see if he can get you to sin by tempting you. And very often, the way he tempts you is to speak into your mind. To suggest to you all sorts of things. And we don't have time to unpack it all today. But the biggest suggestion he makes is that it's okay to do it. There won't be any consequences as a result of doing it. All of which are all lies. And it's okay, you'll be forgiven anyway. And So he, he goes into... He, his main ability is to speak. It's to speak. If he could fire lightning bolts and destroy your house, he, he, he would do that. But he can't do that because we're protected by the blood of Jesus and the power of the Holy Spirit and the awesome name of the Lord. And we are in Christ, in God. Can you say amen? He that is in us is greater than he that is in the world. And so we don't have a problem with this. I find many Christians who believe in the great power of Satan far beyond they believe in the power of God. And I see... Uh, lives messed up and screwed up as a result of that belief all the time. 
So we don't have much time here for the devil in this church except to tell people that he's defeated. However, it is true also to, to recognize and occasionally remind people that there is a devil and the devil wants to talk to us from time to time to see if he can persuade us to sin. Now, l- let me back again and say, of course, when we say the devil, we don't mean the devil, as in the devil from uh, Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, the devil from Luke chapter 10 or from Luke chapter 4. We don't mean Satan himself comes into your flat to have a word with you because he's rather busy, you know. You know, like people say, the devil was in my bedroom last night. And you know the response to you, well, thank God for that. That means he wasn't in mine. Because the devil, of course, is one being, can only be in one place at one time. But we know he has demons and spiritual powers that are similar to him, fallen angels, similar to him, who do his bidding. That's what we mean. However, having said all of that, will you turn to James chapter 1? Because this should be considered the default. The default means the normal thing rather than the exception. If you have a computer or you use the internet, you'll know what default means. It means this is the the normal thing, the default. And uh, what we learn from James chapter 1, and we'll just pick it up in verse 14, just for time, says this, James 1, 14, and this is the word of God for you. And for me, it says each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. I want to read it again. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire, not the evil desire of the devil, his own evil desire, when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. In other words, the enemy can only work with what's in us. Do you understand? He can't tempt you to do anything that somehow you don't want to do. Yesterday we were at a training day. I was not tempted by the salad. I didn't go into the courtyard of the building we were at in Leeds. Oh, God, strengthen me. Because, Lord, there are carrots in there. And I want those carrots. Lord, help me. Fill me, Lord. Ooh. To resist. No. No, no. Because it's not in me. Ever. You're only tempted to do things you sort of would like to do. Am I telling the truth? Am I telling the truth? Yeah, of course. The Bible says it anyway. Each person is tempted 
when by his own evil desire, not the evil desire of the devil, but by his own evil desire, he is led away and enticed. And so there, there is a job to do in our lives to actually take the bullets out of his gun. Because the more sanctified I become, the more I love God, the more I have affection for things which are above, the less I want to do the things of the earth. The more I love the Father in heaven, the less I love the Father of lies that lives on the earth. Right? And so there's much less for him to deal with in me. Do you remember what Jesus said in the Garden of Gethsemane in John's Gospel? I think it only appears there. He says this, the prince of this world is coming, but he has nothing in me. It's amazing. He has nothing in me. He's not been able to build his headquarters in me in any way, shape or form. He's not been able to put anything in me on which to land his evil aircraft. I am free of all of that. He has nothing in me. And so, when people fall, even if they were tempted by the devil to do it, it's not the devil's fault, it's their fault. Because it was in them to do it. He merely suggested it. He may, he may have enticed, but it was inside the person. I've used this illustration maybe before, but if a bucket was here on the platform and I accidentally kicked it, and a whole load of oil or I don't know what came out, it was not the kicking of the bucket that put the oil in the bucket. It was there already. My kicking it simply showed what was there. And so James 1 is our default. We are tempted, yes, sure we are. But we are only tempted to do things that we would like to do, really. I wouldn't tell anyone we want to do them, but we'd like to do them. We'd like to be that kind of person. That's why we have to be renewed by the personality of the Holy Spirit. Okay, quickly. Number two. We notice here that temptation is not a sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. Sometimes people think it is. If someone were to come and sit with me and say, oh, will you help me, Peter? Will you pray with me? Talk to me. Help me. Because I, I just get these thoughts and these feelings and all that. Do you know what? Actually, such a person is exhibiting exemplary Christian character. Let me explain what I mean by that. What they're telling me is this, that they are being tempted to do something, but they are not doing it. And the Bible says in uh, Hebrews chapter 4, and it's in verse uh, 15, it says that Jesus was tempted in every way, yet was without sin. And so it's, it's not a sin to be tempted to do things that you should not. And uh, we need to release ourselves, actually, maybe from... The, any burden of guilt that we might have that just to be tempted is wrong. Because Jesus was tempted in every way, but he was the lamb who was without sin and without spot. So temptation itself is not sin. Acting upon that temptation, that is sin. 
acting upon it is sin. And you understand, don't you, that the longer that you consider the, the decision, am I going to sin or stay holy, the longer you stay in that place of indecision, the more likely you are to sin. And so we need to take captive every thought, 2 Corinthians 10, and make it obedient to Christ. Let's move on. Jesus was victorious indeed. Number three, sin is only defeated, or the temptation is only defeated by obedience to the word of God. I want to share this. I want to take a minute to do this because I believe this is fundamental. When you have these battles in your life, when you have these temptations, how are you to overcome them? What is the what? If you could just do one thing to live a holy life, what would it be? When you are tempted, what do you need? More strength from God? What do you need? Do you need to go read your Bible when you are tempted? You know, what do you need? And while all these kinds of things, do you need to worship, you know? All these things are a blessing to you. And by the way, we build ourselves up in our most holy faith when we speak in other tongues too. But do you know, it's so simple. It's so, it's so simple. There is one way that Jesus defeated the devil in the desert. He obeyed the word. And if you obey the word, you defeat the enemy. And the reason I mention that is because you can be the kind of Christian who knows what it is to speak in tongues, worship God, read the Bible, be in church a lot, and... and all these things are really important. You don't become strong without these things. But you can actually be that kind of person. But if you don't obey the word of God, you will be defeated by the enemy. Who? Who was Jesus talking to when he said to the, to the enemy, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, or it is written, Worship the Lord thy God, him only. Who is he talking to? And most people think he was talking to the devil. I've got news for you. I believe with all of my heart, he was talking to himself. Himself. Talking to himself. Reminding himself of the word. Reminding himself of what God had said about that situation. It wasn't the devil who shook and got all upset every time Jesus mentioned the scripture. I've seen demons do that. They're not fond of the Bible, the demons. They don't like it in the NIV or the King James. They don't like it. Demons, do, they just don't like the Bible. There's no demon who's ever going to open a Bible shop. They don't like it. But you know what? 
Jesus didn't mention the word of God to rattle the devil. He mentioned the word of God to his own soul. It seems to me that the devil, in the, in the context of the whole of the New Testament, it seems to me that the devil is free. He's free. He is not a prisoner. He will be a prisoner. He'll be a prisoner for a thousand years sometime in the future. But right now, the devil is free. He's loose. He's a dog without a lead, and he's loose. The good news is, he has no teeth. But he's not bound, he's loose. He will be bound in the future. But right now, the devil is loose. He's free. He exists in the pages of the New Testament. He appears from time to time. He's not in jail. He's not stuck in passport control. He's free. And you cannot stop him. Jesus will stop him, but you cannot stop him. You can't imprison him. But you don't have to obey him. Do you understand the difference? There are believers who believe they can imprison the devil with a prayer. But it's not the devil who needs to be in chains. It's you that needs to be in chains. Just go to Romans chapter 6, will you? There's one person that God requires of you that you take authority over. And that's you. It's you. God requires you to be a slave or to be bound to righteousness. That's your responsibility to put on chains of, of slavery to Christ. If you will put on slaves' chains to righteousness and to Christ, the enemy will be defeated in your life every day. Because he won't be able to get you to do anything that God doesn't want you to do. Let's look at this. Romans chapter 6. And uh, we have a lot here. What We'll read as much as we can. Paul writes here, verse 16, Don't you know that when you offer yourselves to someone to obey him as slaves, you are slaves to the one whom you obey? What he's saying, you don't have to have actual chains to be a slave. Is that right, by the way? You can have a marriage where someone is a slave to the other. There's no chains, but they better do what they're told. Or in a bad parenting situation, not like the ones we've been reflecting on today. So he says, don't you know, if you obey someone, if you obey someone, you are their slave. You don't have to have the chains. You don't have to be branded, as they may have been 2,000 years ago, with a mark that you are a slave. You don't have to have that. If you just obey someone all the time, you are their slave. So he goes on here to say, whether you are slaves to sin, 
which leads to death, or to obedience, which leads to righteousness. Let me give you a newsflash today. You are a slave right now. In whatever state of life you're in, whoever you are, whether you're here in the room listening to me on the net, you are a slave. By that, we mean you obey somebody. And the Bible says this, not that some are slaves and some are not, but that all are slaves, but some are slaves to sin and others are slaves to Christ. There's no in the middle bit. You're either a slave to Christ and therefore to obedience, to righteousness, or you are a slave to sin and therefore to Satan. See, many people, well, I praise God, he broke my chains. When you look at their life, you find their chains are not broken at all. Right? So he goes on to say here, but thanks be to God, verse 17, that though you used to be slaves to sin, you are wholeheartedly obeyed the form of teaching to which you were entrusted. You've been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness doesn't give them the option to be free. He gives them only this option to be released from this slave master and given over into this slave master. There's no skipping off down a Roman road free in Paul's equation. If you want to bind the devil, you have to be bound yourself. It's you that has to say, I would love to do that thing, but I can't do it because I am enslaved to the Word. It wasn't the Word that frightened the devil. It wasn't the Word that defeated the devil. It was Jesus' obedience to the Word defeated the devil. For years and years, bound and bound and bound and bound in prayer and found that my life was not free. As someone once maybe rudely said, they bound the devil so much they wore their binder out. But actually, the, the way to stop his work in our lives is to bind ourselves to the word of God. To righteousness. Don't you know, if you bound yourself to the word of God, you wouldn't even, even need to know if there was a devil. Because any temptation that came your way, no. No. It is written this. This is what's written. So this is what I must do. This is what I must do. It's we who are bound. If you really want to live a holy life, of course, you can get up in the morning and speak in tongues for an hour and then worship for an hour. You can bind and loose and take authority. But the one person you've got to take authority over every day is the person you see in the mirror. Because that's our problem, our flesh. So we, we are, we're all slaves. We're all slaves. But the question is, to who are we a slave? To who? 
to obedience to the word of God, to disobedience, to the will of evil. Now, I know the problem. I know the problem that we're dealing with even as we talk about this. And that is we all feel like we're a bit of this and a bit of that. And that's our, that's our living experience. I know I'm a slave to Christ, but I don't often live that out. So I understand that it's not quite black and white in our experience. That sometimes we obey God and sometimes we do not. I want to challenge you today. If you want to live free of temptation, you need to re-give yourself into the slavery of Christ. He will be Lord of your life. And, not, and when we say Lord, we mean the Word of God will be Lord. I've met many people who made Jesus the Lord of their life, but they didn't know who Jesus even was. Because they thought he was this kind of God or that kind of God. We're talking about the, the Bible God being the Lord of your life. So number one, temptation can sometimes be at the instigation of spiritual forces. Sometimes. Most times it's just in us. We have to resist it. Number two, on our sheet here, to be tempted is not to sin. Number three, most important of all, the way to defeat temptation is, of course, to obey God. You do all the other stuff, but unless you obey God, it's not really going to work. And finally, number four, just to leave you with some really good news, but it's not really. It's going to be a lifelong struggle. It's going to be a lifelong struggle. At the very end of the passage, it says this in Luke, and that's why I chose Luke rather than Matthew, because he uses this little phrase. He says at the end of that passage, the devil left him until what? Another time, an opportune time. The original, it says, he left him for a season. In other words, he was on his way back. Brothers and sisters, listen. It's hard what we're dealing with. But, but we need to know all the facts. And the facts are that this is going to be a life long struggle. When Jesus comes, he'll bind that devil for a thousand years and we'll have these problems. But until such a time, we'll have these problems. And we need to continually say, oh God, please put chains around my wrists today. I want to live according to the word of God. Let's encourage ourselves with 1 Corinthians 10. And we're, with this we finish. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 13. Lovely verse. No temptation has seized you. The language is amazing. Seized. Temptation seizes you. I better not preach you much longer, but it's, uh, you can see that. No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. In other words, the temptations that we face, everyone has them. You have them. I have them. You're not a special case. 
You may be special to God, you are. But you're not special to the devil, you know. He hates everybody. And no temptation seizes you except that which seizes everybody. You may have one particular weakness. I may have another. We may not share those weaknesses exactly. But for sure, we all face those same battles. But here is the word of God. God is faithful. Let's read it together. He will not let you be tempted beyond that which you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also provide a way out. The King James Version say way of escape. A way of escape. So that you can stand up under it. I'll finish with this thought. I said a little earlier, when we face a temptation, we're thinking about the temptation, and, and if we think about it too much, we're probably lost. We're probably on our way towards making a mistake. Now, the longer you think about it, probably the more likely you are to be sliding into that problem. That's true for me anyway. But hear the word of the Lord. In that moment, in that moment, as you feel your anger growing, you feel your, your need to tell a lie, to get you out of something. You feel that temptation to do wrong. Right in that moment, a door will open for you. A door opened by God. A door to escape. It's a way out. And God will always open that door. That's the greatest news we could hear all day. He will always open that door. But he never drags us through it. Don't you wish he did? We must choose to obey the word. There will always be a way of escape. I've used this illustration before, but I love using it. When I was a kid, I was absolutely enamored with Batman. Batman. Played by, I don't know now who it was, Adam somebody. Adam West, fellow Batman fan, in the room. Would you like to come out for prayer? Adam West. And in nearly every episode of Batman, the Cape Crusaders would be tied to a death-defying device. The Joker or the Penguin or whoever, or whether it's a James Bond film, it's all the same. There was always going to be this. This is going to destroy you. I'm going to press this lever and in two minutes you're going to be destroyed. And while I press the lever, I'm just going to take a really important phone call. And the baddies all left the room. 
Now listen, if you are planning to be like a penguin or something in the future, just shoot Batman then and there. Don't let him, don't let him be tied to nothing because he's going to escape. And I call it the Batman principle. God will always give you time to get out. He'll always give you time to break free. He'll always give you time to say, I may be addicted, but I'm not going to obey this. And there'll always be a way out.